Hello, welcome to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 105, and we're going to be digging into the rest of James 1. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So glimpse of grace time. This week we thought we would talk about a way we've seen God's grace through our kiddos. So I'll go first. This week, um, we started school last week at home, and we homeschool, and Cadence um, this week was writing a paper, and writing, writing's hard, like figuring out, and especially like the program we do is very, it's a very structured program, Um, it's not just like creative writing, you know, it's like you do keyword outline and like all this fancy stuff. And so it's a lot of information the first year you do it, but she's on her second year now. And last year it was a battle for us just because we were both learning this, this kind of writing. I mean, it's been years since I wrote like this. And when I did, it was a different curriculum. Um, and so we were both learning and it was such a struggle. Um, but or this week when we sat down to do it, it was just like effortless to her because the way our program works is you do pretty much the exact same thing for three years in order for the child, the student to really, really understand it. Mm -hmm. And so she sat down and did it. No problem. She wrote Mm -hmm. her paper. There was no like arguing or frustration. I understood what she needed to do. The editing process was easy. It was just so easy. And that was a huge grace to me for something that was so difficult for both of us at this time last year to be so easy this week. I know it might not be that way every Mm -hmm. single week and there's always um trials and tribulations as James says Mm -hmm. um in homeschooling for sure but but this week it was definitely a grace Mm. so what about you I think one area I've really seen God's grace is the way that my girls love on baby Reed so the girls are almost exactly six years older than him um Harper and Abby the twins they and they just when they get home from school or when he wakes up in the morning or when we put him to bed, like they want to pick him up and they love on him. And even though he messes with all their Legos and stuff, like they still just love him. And I know that's going to change. Like Casey saying, it's not always going to be exactly like that, especially when he's like, you know, a toddler little boy and starts being mean to them. I don't know. <laughs> but right now it's just so sweet to just watch the way they just love each other. And um, that's just been such a grace. They're sweet girls. I can't see them ever not liking him. He is so cute. Oh, my goodness. He's just this butterball. Cute boy. Okay, so let's dive into James chapter 1, verses 18 through 27. 19. 19 through 27. (laughs) Sorry. We are are having a time over here. Okay. Verses 19 through 27. So let's start with 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So I listened to a podcast and I thought this was super interesting. They were talking about um, what is the most quoted Bible verse in the Bible itself. So like... How what's the verse that the other authors 
quote the most within oh, scripture. Okay. Yeah. Does that yeah. Make sense? I get it. So yeah. we would think like, what's the most quoted Bible? We would think John three sixteen, but that's not what this is asking. The, the, they were talking about where within kind of like the Bible. Yes. What's yeah. the verse we see repeated the most? And this verse, um, Exodus 34, six different pieces of it are sometimes pulled out repeatedly in scripture. And so today in 19, there's little pieces of it pulled out, but what what they were talking about was Exodus 34, 6, and it says, well, before we get to what it says, what's happening at that time was, um, this is when God is revealing himself to Moses on the mountain. And, um, you know, he says like, guard your eyes cause you can't behold my glory. And so he like walks past him and this is God explaining who he is. Mm. So God says, it's funny cause it says the Lord, but he's talking about himself. God <laughs> says the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and truth. So we, when James is writing this, he is assuming that they would catch on to that mm-hmm. nuance. We wouldn't yeah. necessarily catch uh-uh. that, but he is knowing that his um, intended audience at that time would recognize that phrasing of slow to anger um, and, and remember back to, to God saying, this is what I am, is Mm -hmm. I am slow to anger. Um, And so I just thought that was interesting that there's these little things that we may not pick up on as we read them, but um, they're truths that we can soak up from the scripture. So when here, when James is saying, hey, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, they would recognize that Mm -hmm. and say, oh, this is a calling for us to um, imitate Christ in this and imitate God in this way. Right. That's good. So out of those three, right, we see quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Which one do you think is like the hardest for you? Um, I think probably slow to speak, which kind of leads into slow to anger. Because <laughs> a lot of times my speech turns into anger with my family. <laughs> but I mean, we're verbal processors. Yeah. Um, and we also really like Aaron and I both, like I'm not trying to speak for her, but I just know we're both verbal processors Mm -hmm. and I really like to help people. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a two on the Enneagram that's called the helper for a reason. I like to help people. And so when someone's telling me something that's wrong, I want to help them. Like I want to fix it. And so I tend to talk a lot. Like I, I'm really bad at just stopping and listening Mm. and I fill in any empty space with words. I don't like awkward silence. I am, um, not always the best listener because I'm thinking about what I'm going to say, not because I have to be right necessarily, Mm -hmm. but because I want to help. I want to fix it. Um, I want to have an answer. I feel guilty if I don't have an answer, Mm -hmm. um, which is wrong. That's false guilt, but, um, that's just kind of what I've trained myself to do my whole life, I think Mm -hmm. is to, to fix things. And so I would say that the slow to speak is, is tough for me. And with my family, um, the slow to speak and slow to anger kind of go together because a lot of times, like I said, my words turn into angry words. Cause Mm -hmm. the more I'm like talking about like Mm -hmm. what's going on and Mm -hmm. stuff, the more angry I get and I'll, I'll yell or say things. Oh goodness. How many times do I say things that I regret so many times? Um, and so those two things kind of go together, but I would say that's mainly with my close family. Yeah. So what about you? Um, I don't personally really struggle with, anger too much but the quick to hear and slow to speak is definitely not something I'm good at um 
similar, not in the way that I like to fix it necessarily. Like I'm not a two on the Enneagram. I probably should have a little more two in me for being honest. Um, but I think I'm more in the fact of like, Oh, I have something to teach you. Mm-hmm. I need to tell you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so instead of like listening and like letting the spirit lead the conversation, I always jump into my like teacher side that mm-hmm. feels like, mm-hmm. Oh, I got to teach you something. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not necessarily wanting to fix it, but I'm like, but I want to teach you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I feel really, really guilty. I, this is something I've been really like self-conscious about my whole adult life because I catch myself doing it. Like if someone's talking, but they kind of like pause, like, that I like try to answer the rest of their sentence for them you know if they're like saying like oh the other day I was eating I was like oh you were eating what was was it lunch like like I I can't (laughs) help myself and it's so bad and like I like tell Taylor I'm like you have to stop me whenever I do that because I do it a lot and it's so rude it's just rude and I mean from this passage like it's not in line with scripture and so I need to just be quick to hear and slow to speak instead of slow to hear and quick to speak, you know, mm-hmm. that's so hard to do. It's yeah. so hard to do. And I was reading through the, the PAO, the, um, book and mm-hmm. she brought out something which I've heard before, but, um, that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, yes. you know, and I'm like, Oh, convicting, <laughs> especially like with my kids, like I can get so distracted when yeah. they're talking to me. And I have to remember, even if it's something that I feel like is trivial, it's important to them. And they want me to listen and not be distracted or start talking over them or, (laughs) you know, talking to Jonathan. And they're like, mommy, I was talking to you. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, super, super convicting verse right here. All right. (laughs) So let's move on to verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So I'm going to go back and read these two together so you can have a little context. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Mm. So I went down a bit of a rabbit trail here, like <laughs> big time, not a bit, a big time. So um, I stumbled upon this really good sermon by Tim Keller from 30 years ago, <laughs> almost th- 19 years. I mean, 29 years ago. Like it's crazy. I honestly kind of, like I said last week, I just kind of put the words into Google and I kind of know my go-to people. So yeah. I'm not just going to click the first random sermon. Sure. Like I know people that I trust. And, um, so I typed in, uh, righteous anger, I think is all I typed in righteous anger sermon. Mm-hmm. And, um, this one by t- actually just a small clip showed up. And so I searched for the whole thing because the small mm-hmm. clip was so good, but it's just crazy because he sounds so different and yeah. he's talking about his kids at home and it's, it's just crazy, but, um, it was really, really good. And because my question here is, okay, it says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, but like we see in Ephesians four twenty six, mm-hmm. where Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So we know that both Jesus and God are angry at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so anger itself is not a sin, right. obviously, because right. they don't sin. And so what does it look like to be angry without sinning? And what is this anger that James is talking about here that does not produce the righteousness of God? Like what's the difference between like anger from man and righteous anger? Mm -hmm. And this is a question that's been in my mind for a long, long time now. And so um, I loved his 
definition, Tim Keller's definition. He said, anger is energy aroused in defense of something good and released against something evil. So we kind of stop there with, okay, this is the, this is the definition. Um, so then he went on and he read Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So if we look at these things that he lists, there, there are kind of two different categories. You have the categories of anger that leads you to clam up and the categories of anger that leads you to like explode. Mm. And he was saying neither one of these are good. You want to you want to address the problem like you have anger for a reason. You mm-hmm. don't need to just ignore it and you don't need to explode. So he used this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. that was so good. And it says nonviolence is aggress- aggressive toward problems, not persons. Mm. And I actually I was looking this up um, and he said in this sermon, he said it was from a sermon series that MLK did on nonviolence. Mm. And I mean, I trust Tim Keller, but I couldn't find this specific quote. So as I was looking, um, another one came up that said nonviolence is um, aggressive toward injustice, not person. So that's mm-hmm. another another thing that you can put there. So and I also saw where he was talking like he also had some places where he like listed problems. Um, so I liked that a lot because I think that a lot of times we have trouble when we get anger angry about something we immediately attack the person Mm. and that's not going to do anything and we see even in the bible like one of the most recent used examples is when jesus turned over the the tables in the temple Mm -hmm. because he was mad about what was going on in the temple well that wasn't him necessarily exploding in anger at people he was exploding in anger at the problem Mm -hmm. like what was going on they were disrespecting his father's house and so he was addressing the problem Mm -hmm. so just practically speaking I thought I would kind of give an example and this is a similar example to what Tim used in his sermon um because this this had happened in his house but um so say my girls come running through the house arguing with each other for the 10th time that day and so I'm angry because they're disrupting my peace. So if we look at Keller's definition, I'm defending something good, right? I'm defending peace in my house and I'm wanting to prevent injuries because my girls might <laughs> end up hurting each other. Um, but now like we have to kind of stop here because there are times that what you're defending might not be good and mm-hmm. might be a source of pride and idolatry mm-hmm. like we talked about last week yeah. like if I'm um, turning my peaceful home into an idol this might be a time to stop and repent a little bit but either way the anger needs to be deal- dealt with right mm-hmm. like we still have that anger for a reason so the questions that we ask should I clam up and explode later or should I lose my temper now mm-hmm. or take a deep breath and release my anger, not at my children, but at the problem by addressing why they're arguing Mm. what's going on in their hearts. Mm. And so I think that this is kind of, this is what James is saying here about being slow to anger, Mm. stepping back and saying, okay, what's the problem? Like, what am I really mad at? Am I really angry with this person? Am I going to attack this person or am I angry at the pro at the problem? And rightly so like Mm. that's the, 
righteous anger of God, like things that go against his word, things that like, like MLK was saying, like injustices, but you're not going to um, explode at the person, like get to the root of the problem. Look at people's Mm -hmm. hearts. Mm -hmm. And so this brought a little bit of clarity to me because like I said, this is something that I've been struggling with because there's a lot of things going in the world right now that has produced a lot of anger in a lot of people, me included, like, you know, there's just so much anger. And I think that our anger can sometimes be misdirected Mm -hmm. and we need to look, look at the root of it. Look at people's hearts. Look at, look at what's really causing those problems. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I think that's (laughs) super helpful thing. And I think it it reminds me of, um, when he's talking about putting on the armor of God and Mm -hmm. he says, our battle is not with flesh. And so I think that's a a really helpful reminder of like, exactly. We're not really supposed to take our anger out on the person who's irritating us, but instead on the, on the, um, problem itself. I think that's really helpful. So anyway, long rabbit trail, but I think too, like, okay, I was like had a brain fart there for a second, but I think it's good to note that it doesn't say do not speak or do not be angry. Exactly. Slow. So I think that's the key, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're saying is like slow down and recognize, okay, I'm angry at the person, repent of that. What should I be angry at? What is the actual problem? What is the actual injustice? And how do I kind of shift my anger Mm -hmm. towards that? Exactly. Exactly. So moving on to verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I always love when scripture says, put off this and put on this. Like it's just such a clear direction, Mm -hmm. you know, like we're, we're, there is some work to be done when we hear things like quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We kind of have to dig into that and Mm -hmm. say, okay, what does that actually mean? And use scripture to interpret Mm -hmm. scripture and sit under other teachers and really understand what that means. Like we just did with the the last verse, Mm -hmm. but when it's very clear, it's just a gift, right? Like Mm -hmm. therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Um, I, I was kind of struck by that phrasing implanted word. Um, cause I'm like, I don't know if I've heard that in scripture before. Uh-uh. Yeah. Implanted word seems kind of strange, but so I did some work on that and it seems like the clearest understanding of what that means is just like the gospel, like the good mm-hmm. news, um, mm-hmm. which is found in the actual word as in the scripture, but also in the word as a person in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, because I found like some people were taking that and meaning the word as Jesus and some people were taking that as meaning the word as scripture. And so I think the the clearest way to understand implanted word is just to understand the gospel, which right. includes both. Both. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and so we have to remember here that James, his audience um, was he was writing mostly to believers. So he, he knows that they already have recognized their need for a savior and um, leaning in on the fact that Jesus is the only one that saves them. And so what I don't want to happen here is there's kind of this idea where you could read this and say, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. You could take that and say, okay, well, I won't get Jesus until I've put away all filthiness. Right, exactly. And yeah. that's not what this passage is saying. Yeah. So I just want to clarify that. It's not, James isn't saying you have to be your perfect best self before Mm -hmm. you can receive Jesus. So since we know that he's writing to people who are already believers, what he's saying is that we are called as believers to put away Mm -hmm. this filthiness and run away from that and instead receive and remind ourselves of the gospel through God's word and through looking at the life of Jesus, um, which is able to save your souls. And, and this word save in this passage is often referring to like the continual sanctification Mm -hmm. 
that we walk in as believers. Um, sanctification is a big word, but just to kind of break it down quickly, there's kind of how do I do this quickly? Okay. So there's <laughs> justification, which is the instant you are saved yes. when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And then sanctification is what you do with the rest of your life. It's this gradual, we're, we're going over this question with my kids in catechism. And, um, it says, they say it's a gradual growing in righteousness. Mm-hmm. So it's a gradual growing to be like Christ. Be like Jesus, so yeah. oftentimes I think we'll see this other place in James, but definitely other places in scripture, we hear the word like save and we think, oh man, he's talking about salvation, yeah, yeah. but in actuality, he's talking about walking out that salvation salvation. Does that make it more confusing? Or? No, I think that's okay. good. And that's, that's a good, um, just reminder of the gospel yeah. and then a reminder of the process of sanctification and how, um, putting off these things, it's not because God wants us to not have any fun. Like, uh, you know, a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. times yeah. we think that like, Oh, but it's so like, we like our sin, mm-hmm. right? We're comfortable in our mm-hmm. sin. We, we don't want to get rid of it. And we're like, God, really? Mm-hmm. But we have to remember like, he, he reminds us of these things and he has these like, um, roles, so to speak, and like boundaries put in place. They're for our good and for God's glory. So we're going to, our lives are going to be the best when we live according to God's plan. And don't, I'm not falling back into this prosperity gospel thing, not saying like, if you follow these rules, then you're going to have an amazing life. Like mm-hmm. that's not what it is, but he has these in place for, for our good. Yes. There'll be trials and tribulations, but ultimately it is for our good and for his glory. Yeah. And I think, um, right when we're thinking about James and like we we're talking about his intended audience. And one of the things we talked about was that his, the, his book is really trying to have people connect their faith in their everyday life. So mm-hmm. this is one practical application. He's just saying, Hey, your faith should encourage you to put away right. your filthiness right. and receive yes. with meekness. And meekness is one of those things in our culture. That's not super, um, highlighted or not super like desirable for many people. But it, I think it's just a good reminder. Like when we think about Jesus, one of the things we think about is that he, was meek. Mm-hmm. I always like to de- define the word meek because a lot of times you um, associate meekness with weakness mm-hmm. and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And I like some of these um, definitions I found were enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Mm. And I thought this went so well with what we're talking about here with like trials and tribulations, yeah. enduring injury with patience and without resentment. So when you go through those trials, when you go through that tri- tri- those tribulations to, um, Approach them with meekness means to have patience mm-hmm. and to not be resent, resentful, resent, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> towards God or, you know, other people in your life. Um, another few words that are syn- synonyms um, is humility and gentleness. Um, and that gentle, that word like gentle, like Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's just something that I long to be. Um, moving on to verse 22. Through 24, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror for he looks at himself and goes away at once for, and uh, goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Yeah. I think the, the first few words of this passage are kind of, you know, it's, it's on the front of our workbook. Uh-huh. Like it's yeah. the, a, a big point of James is to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Um, and I think how he says deceiving yourselves after that is, is really convicting, right? Like, especially for someone 
like me and I feel like you too, Casey, like we really do enjoy learning and studying and hear, you know, like hearing about God and, but am I always a doer? Like, mm-hmm. do I always yeah. take what I'm learning and let it transform who I am? Um, so I feel like that's just a little bit of good, healthy conviction, but it should be the aim of all of our lives, right? Like to not just hear, but to, to live, um, and be transformed by it and in, in, into the image of Christ, you know, one degree of glory to the next. It's mm-hmm. not going to be an overnight thing, but, um, like, and I think it's just such a great invitation, right? Like God could have just, he could do whatever he wants whenever he wants, but he allows us to, to come along and he invites us to, to do with him what he could do on his own, mm-hmm. which is such a gift. It's such a gift. Yeah. We, I went back and listened to our episode on theology, one of our very first episodes, not too long ago. And we said that in that, in that, um, episode, we said, we don't just study the Bible or learn theology for the sake of knowledge for knowledge's sake. (laughs) We study so the truth of who God is and the gospel can transform our lives. Um, And this doesn't just happen once, but this happens each and every day. And that's what Aaron was talking about, like with the process of sanctification. And um, I love what Jackie Hill Perry, I heard her say one time, you know, the gospel doesn't just save us, but it keeps us. It keeps us every single day. And we have to remind ourselves of that every single day. And this example of the mirror, it, it kind of made my mind go two different places. Um, I was thinking about this man and looking in this mirror and, um, I was thinking he either wasn't paying attention to begin with, or he quickly got distracted when mm-hmm. he, when he walked away by something else and forgot what he saw. Um, so comparing that to the word, we don't need to just skim over it and put a check mark mm-hmm. like for our, in our quiet time box or whatever, like, because I've done that before, right? Like I just, I open my Bible and I like skim over this passage because that's what I'm supposed to, that's what I'm supposed to be reading this week. And then I get up and walk away and I'm like, Number one, I forgot exactly Mm -hmm. what I read. Like it didn't soak in. And number two, even if it did soak in, even if I did read it and understand it, I might walk over to my children and do exactly what the Bible had just Mm -hmm. told me not to Mm -hmm. do. So either way, like we should let it transform our lives. Um, Yeah, I was in my... um, Spurgeon commentary mm-hmm. it was is talking about that like thinking about that man or us we you know as we look ourselves in the mirror um he was saying that when we look at the at scripture to be our mirror we ha- we recognize sin in things he's mm-hmm. like it's like if you look in the mirror and you saw a big makeup dripping down yeah. your eyes or whatever and you just walked away and you didn't do anything about it we'd be like why didn't you do something That's about true. it? Yeah. And scripture yeah. is the same thing. Like if we look at it and we see, okay, we need to repent of this sin, or we see we're called to do this, or Jesus shows us to do this. And we just walk away. It's like us walking away with this, you know, makeup dripping down our face. If we don't actually do something mm-hmm. with it, you know, yeah. like you would wash that makeup yeah. off your face. And in the same way we should absorb scripture and do something with it. Yeah. All right. 25 through 27. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world." 
This was a lot. And when I first read this this little section, I was like, wow, this could a whole could have been a whole week all by oh, yeah. itself, you know? Yeah. But then I was like, Aaron has a little summary from the Bible project. And I was like, well, it's when you break it down, it really is pretty simple. Yeah. Um, they were saying on the Bible project to sum up this passage, they say it, James is telling us to speak with love, serve the poor and have wholehearted devotion to God. And I think sometimes what happens with this verse, um, especially 27, where it talks about this is what religion, pure religion looks like, is we have to remember that we can't isolate one verse outside of all of scripture. We have to use scripture to interpret scripture, and we have to understand James' intention in writing, and we have to take all of that into account to understand what he's saying. Um, Because what could happen, right, is you could read that and you could say, okay, well, as long as I visit the orphans and the widows, I'm going to be saved Good, or, you know, and so I think just, we have to keep scripture in context. Um, that is a huge part of why Casey and I, um, walk through books of the Bible on here is we don't want to just pull out random passages and make them mean what we think is culturally Mm -hmm. relevant. Um, but it, it is a good reminder that these things matter to God. Like, to visit orphans and widows Mm -hmm. in their affliction, like that matters to God and that is pure. And, and so we shouldn't forsake those things and we shouldn't skip over those things. Those Mm -hmm. things matter. Um, and, and then that, that final phrase and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I like how the Bible project says it, that it translate that as having wholehearted devotion to God, not allowing anything else to take our eyes off of him, not allowing anything else to become an idol or, a replacement from God or, you know, I think of the movie, the help, right. When she brings the brownies and Mm -hmm. there's, she put poop in the brownies (laughs) and it's like, and we think, Oh, well, if there was just a little bit of poop, would I eat it? Like, no, No. you're not going to eat it at all. And so I think of that when I think of like what it means to keep yourself unstained from the world is like, obviously we're in the world. We're always going to be in the world and we're called to do that, but that doesn't mean we have to look like the world. And so keeping ourselves unstained from the world means we should look different and that will give us a chance to tell people why we look different and in Jesus. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me was the word liberty at the beginning of this, where it says Mm -hmm. the law of liberty. And I think it stood out to me because we're studying. Oh my goodness. Reed is like growling for applesauce right now. And it's so cute. Um, we were studying us history in um, in CC this year. And, so yesterday we the the kids drew the Liberty Bell and mm. so that that word's already kind of been on my mind but when you think of liberty you think of like freedom and I think it's good to remember that this law that we have the word of God like it's not meant to um like I was saying earlier like bind us and make us like live this like oppressive and sad and and um always hard life like through through the word and through the gospel and through the blood of Jesus like there is liberty like there is freedom and we are we are to live in that freedom doesn't mean everything's going to be easy all the time and there's not going to be trials and tribulations like there are and it's, it's gonna be hard but there also comes with that a lot a lot of freedom and a lot of liberty. And I think that's important to remember, especially when we're walking through some of these harder passages in these harder topics. Like it's easy to, it's easy to end and be like, Oh my goodness. Like that's so much, like that's so heavy. Um, so it's good. It's just good to remember the freedom that we have in Christ. 
our memory verse for next week is James 2, 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And we're going to be covering James 2, verses 1 through 13. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox. 